0: Hello and welcome to the Tech Marketing Podcast. We have an extra special episode this week recorded live from the LinkedIn office after hosting our first event with the LinkedIn B2B Institute. We were lucky enough to have Amir lead Jennifer shaw presenting some brilliant research from the B2B Institute around two key areas, all-weather marketing and the financial case for creativity. I'm joined in, a, in the LinkedIn office today actually. By Jennifer Shaw-Sweet, who is the AMIA lead for the LinkedIn B2B Institute, who's delivered all of our research today, so I'm really interested to pick your brains. Also, Katie Groon, who's the, our agency lead of the independent agencies at LinkedIn. Yeah, you've got to say something now, Katie, I've announced you. Um, <laughs> and I'm very pleased to be also joined by Catherine Pfeiffer, Mia Demand Generation Director at NetSuite. So thank you all for joining us in the room. Um, our first session this morning was based on all-weather marketing, right? So one question I'm eager to ask, it's been one of the hottest Junes on record here. I think we've had the hottest few days in July we've ever had in history. But what's everyone's temperature check on how it's feeling in the B2B space? Like if you were to give it an outlook, how would you describe it?
1: Love that segue. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I think it's, it's interesting because my role's EMEA, so I'm looking all the way across geographies. Um, I'm observing two things, which is that those markets that were first down are actually starting to show signs of recovery. And that's really exciting because that would make this a very short dip. I don't think it is a short dip, but I think that there'll be wobbles in that dip where Mm -hmm. things are a bit healthier. And the other thing I've noticed in the B2B space specifically is that there are very resilient industries in the B2B space. So when one part of B2B goes down, another one goes up. So the unsurprising ones are things like insurance and consultancy and accounting do very, very well when the market's down because everyone lurches towards stability. And investment in B2B lurches towards stability. But the Industries that you wouldn't expect that are doing really well at the moment, things like healthcare Mm -hmm. um, and and meditech, um, and also places, uh, areas of business where they lost a huge amount of headcount to maybe sexier industries for a while, actually showing a huge recovery. And then the other thing that I've really noticed over the last few months, I'd say maybe the last four months, um, is that the recruitment Environment in B2B has switched around a lot. A lot of people in tech suddenly became available and, dare I say, affordable mm-hmm. for other industries. And so places like Meditech, places like um, various kind of government industries were suddenly able to hire the hotshots. They were able to hire some really valuable people. And the impact that that's happening in those organizations, people with a fire in their belly to do good, actually is seeing a huge amount of interesting stuff coming from those sectors that I'm really excited about. Wow! So okay. I'm actually really excited about B2B at the moment. I think it's turning a corner.
0: Of course, we're always excited about B2B <laughs> together. So right. it's not. It's, it, we, I wouldn't think it about it any other way. But Catherine, from your side, mm-hmm. how would you describe the outlook, having just attended yeah. today's wonderful <laughs> sessions?
2: Yeah, um, I would agree. Sonny,
0: <laughs> is good,
1: Suddenly,
2: good. as i look outside sunny um yeah for two reasons um one is that i think as you said um the any any downturn any recession only ever has taken 11 months in the past mm-hmm. so that would mean that we're about to go out of the recession and as a b2b market here you need to think ahead so mm-hmm. If we're about to go out of the recession, actually, I have to think about what are we communicating if we're going out of the recession and there's going mm-hmm. to be an upbeat market. So this is why, for me, it is exciting at the moment. And then the second part of it is that, in in combination with how fast the technology is evolving, I think it creates massive opportunity for us and is so exciting.
0: Mm-hmm. I I couldn't I couldn't agree more. And I think what that stat that was in the All Weather Marketing Report of Recessions are what on average 11 months. Yeah, is that but right? the
1: B2B cycles 18. Yeah, it, so it, you're always communicating for coming into growth.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. so we 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 need I think I and a, there's a, there's a great statistic that we actually had we have just published on the podcast actually from uh, another B2B institute from another tech brand uh, that share woman A nameless but go back and look at our history is uh, every dollar that you save now will cost you a dollar 85. Yeah. Uh to, to to buy back later in brand. Yet there's no better time to invest than today yeah, in, because in marketing.
1: The media's cheap, the I don't want like we're probably not meant to say that, but I'll say it well uniquely at LinkedIn, I'm allowed to say what I want because it's a think tank. The the media's cheap, your competitors are quiet. There's a really lovely opportunity to disrupt your category right now. Mm-hmm. Um, And I think that's always really wonderful. Like I was saying during the presentation, this is, I think, really exciting times for those brands who've maybe got a a war chest or have a level of investment that means that they're able to spend, uh, but also spending for the future. Mm -hmm. Um, And I also think that all of these studies that we've got across the business, across the category now all lead to new equations, new evaluations of what the outcomes from a media investment would look like, and being able to start to calculate that doesn't necessarily give us certainty, but we're able to discuss the level of uncertainty with the finance team or with mm-hmm. whoever we need help with to get that major investment, and get the get the trajectory going for our businesses. Um, so, yeah, I think. We can start to use the data really, really well rather than before where we were kind of servants to the data or, you know, being bashed around the head for, you know, spending money. Oh, you're spending money when we've got no money. Actually, it's investing money for for this future.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I I actually found it really fascinating today. We had across our table, most of the table saying we've had our budgets cut, like some were cut by up to 50%, which is crazy. And there was one particular brand who not only had their budget increased last year, but increased and they, let's say refocused, I'm trying to put a positive spin on that, away from sales into marketing and they're seeing it pay off. So I think you know, this, this is a strategy we know works, but so many people are afraid of, of, of change. Um, and especially especially at the board level, and the data's there. So th- this brings me on to my, my next point. So we talk about this 95-5% split. Obviously, when, the, when markets fall, that goes down to 1%, which is what you talked about today, Jen. Um, we also heard that 70% of businesses still focus on sales. That's where their comfort zone is. Yet... We're seeing this big shift towards the self-educated buyer that from our perspective as a marketing agency, it's, it's our day to rule the roost. How, how are we feeling about that?
1: I think everything that we're doing is to set up sales for success and marketing that forgets that its job is to sell, mm-hmm. it's failing its business and it erodes how seriously we're taken as marketers. So. I would always measure the success of a marketing campaign on commercial outcomes. I don't really care if someone loves my brand. Mm -hmm. I want them to buy my brand. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty brutal sometimes because it's lovely to be loved. Like, oh, we all need a hug every now and then. But actually, the commercial impact we're able to make is the thing that should define us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so what I quite like to do is to connect my measures to sales in brand, in particular, what you can see is that in the short term, people often say you can't measure the impact of brand in the short term. I don't agree. I think you can, but I think you need to look in collaboration with other teams. So, in the short term, I would be looking for increased propensity to buy, warming up the sales, warming up for sales, so that people who are exposed to brand are more likely to buy than people who weren't exposed to brand. But the other thing I look at is softer, and I would look at how are sales feeling? Do they find that purchases are easier? Do they come through faster with less friction? And that's a softer measure, but it's a really important Mm -hmm. measure, because if you're asking sales, do they feel that, then you're actually working out with sales that you're making impact. You're reassuring them that that money was well spent in making their job easier, better, more effective. But it also then ties together why, why we have this investment.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, you know, I'm not here to, to steal the glory of sales either. It has to be a, there has to be a handoff between the two. It has to be a collaboration between the two. Sales should be our greatest advocates as marketers.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Catherine, how about from your side?
2: From a company point of view, I think the attribution is really important. And it's also the biggest challenge. Because there may be a time lag, there may be not enough data to support it, but at the same time, if you can show that that's driven bottom line results, then nobody will say no to you, right? Then why nobody, there's no reason to say, no, we're not doing this. So for, unless there's, you know, other issues that marketing can't can't influence, but um, so, but this is also the biggest challenge I'm seeing, how... How can I attribute what I'm doing in brand to bottom line results? Mm -hmm. Because we've gotten to a point where, yes, I can show the results of what I'm doing in the Demgen arena, lead generation. We're set, we're now, most companies are now set up to show the success there. But then direct attribution of a dollar spent in brand to the bottom line, to a lead, to a sale is still very hard to do, continues Mm -hmm. to be very hard. And I think that is also, that's where I'm looking at, I don't know, technology solutions, etc., to LinkedIn, to provide solutions. And in fact, we are collaborating to come up with possibilities to do that, right? Mm -hmm. To track the dollar that I've spent drives X amount of revenue. Mm
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Katie, any uh, like coming in from our LinkedIn account manager point of view, I'm going to look at you. Any (laughs) like, how can we make that work? How can we start to build better attribution for that brand spend?
3: I know. Well, it's interesting in terms of the sales and marketing alignment. It is such a big focus at LinkedIn, and I'm sure NetSuite and Oracle team have done this um, for you. But you know, there is data that we can pull that shows how well your sales teams are um, speaking to the same people that you're trying to target, and are those teams. Uh, speaking to the same people or are they not? And where are the gaps and where's the overlap? And it's really not just for LinkedIn to say marketing's right and sales wrong, but it's to say, hey guys, you need to speak to each other. You need Mm -hmm. to figure this out. Are you on the same path? And if not, figure it out so that you can be on the same team and uh, and be more successful. So, you know, doing some of the uh, really leaning into the really unique, Data and insights that we're able to pull mm-hmm. has been super successful and and kind of helping with that area too.
0: And that's bridging the gap between sales and marketing. Oh, absolutely, hundred right? percent. And some of the some of the stuff we talked about today was was really the simple stuff, right? Aligning on goals, doing the goal setting exercise together. Mm-hmm. But I, I, there was another really interesting point from our table, which is they. They they actually had marketing were holding sales to account and could chase them every week on, have you followed up that lead? Where, what's the status of it? And they were the ones chasing, not not this kind of usual, we throw them across the fence and, and we've hit our MQL target, see you later. Like I thought that was a fascinating way of doing it. And of course, using something like LinkedIn can, can help achieve that. So yeah, really, in, really interesting.
1: You know that's a really important point because what we also want to be looking at is the quality of outcome, not just the quantity of outcomes. Mm-hmm. And often, when from advertising in particular, you have a handoff to sales, it's a numbers game. You got mm-hmm. this many leads this year, this you or this week or this month, just or vanity matches. Yeah, and a richer data source is outcomes. Like, mm-hmm. what's the size of sales? What were the quality of leads? And it's where we start looking rather than efficiency that, at effectiveness and, and how we're able to calculate that. But it also then starts to give you a clue as to where the brand is going, where the product going, and what you, what, what you can read from that about the future value of the business. Mm-hmm. I also think... As we look at customer journeys, and so we start to be more sophisticated in the way that we're able to gather information from different stages of a customer journey. No customer journey is linear, we're human, we're insane. But being able to understand, when you had contact with a customer across a multi-channel mm-hmm. attribution is a really smart way of being able to show the impact of marketing over that long term, especially with brand. Like we look at it with the LinkedIn Audience Network as well as LinkedIn. That means we can bring in more channels, um, but we also start to look at it with things like the Hamilton study, where we're bringing in more data to understand how many times someone's been exposed to a marketing message, and that accumulation is really really key and recognizing how marketing can create an accumulated experience of the brand Mm -hmm. and how many how many sort of engagements might be able to provoke a tipping point Mm. is important but it has to be seen in the context of the buying cycle
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Couldn't couldn't agree more. So I'm going to switch gears a little bit and talk about creativity. Um, you know, we again, we've just, I talked about weather before. We just had our hottest June on record. I love this message of reuse your creative because I think it, it really it's going to sound a bit silly, but it aligns with sustainability. You yeah. wouldn't think of recycling a campaign as as a as a, as a way of aligning with something something like re- sustainability, but we're actually doing carbon studies now on the cost of media, yeah. right? And how much how, you know, and the, the impact that has on the environment. What do you think the the risk is for for reusing creativity? And what approaches would you have to, to make sure you stand out?
1: So we're often reticent about reusing creativity because mm-hmm. there has been a sort of industry belief in wear out. Mm-hmm. And there's always a fear of wear out, like, oh, we've bored our customers. We very rarely see ad wear out in B2B. Partly due to the nature of our customer audiences, very few brands reach their accumulated customer audience ever, let alone enough to make them bored of an execution of piece of creative. It's very different with ABM because you're already restricting the pool of people that you're talking to. And the nature of ABM is that you're talking to people very much further down in the funnel. It's more of a distribution channel. And so with ABM, what you're looking at is exposing people to lots of reasons to justify Mm -hmm. a purchase that they've already decided they're going to make. And then refreshing those reasons can be a really, really useful way of making sure that you stay on the list, that you're going to convert that person into a sale in the same way that you might refresh a a shelf wobbler in store. Like it's, (laughs) it's not particularly sophisticated. And that's why we would use relatively low cost to refresh media. But it's the reasons that Mm -hmm. you're refreshing. You're not necessarily refreshing the creative because the challenge is to still be attributed to the brand. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: There's no point convincing someone to buy, I don't know, X SaaS product with loads of reasons to buy it. If they don't associate it with the brand they're buying from, you've just advertised your category, not your brand. And the way that you establish recognizability of your brand is consistency of your brand. And in-brand communication is the perfect place to do that. And that's where ads have to be allowed to wear in to the point where people become, you know, so used to or or, or so accepting of what that brand is saying that they in confidence know what that brand stands for, Mm -hmm. the promise that it's making or the the, the, that they trust you, I guess, is the most important thing in business in particular. Mm -hmm. And so wearing in an ad, just as Hovis have been running the same ad since 1977, we know they make bread. We know that they make bread and some little boy pushes that bread on a bicycle (laughs) up a hill, right? We can all... Recite the ad. The power of that fluency in our brand is really, really key. And and I think that we too easily flush that value that we've created for our business down the toilet Good. with over refreshing.
0: I think. And one of the stats we saw today was this: sixty percent. Sixty percent of advertising was. It, correct me if I'm wrong on this one, Jen, Was it sixty percent? Could was mi- misattributed in B two B. So. You're putting that brand out there, you're thinking of a wonderful new campaign, and then you're basically giving your competitors free advertising. That's crazy. I mean, Catherine, how does that make you feel? What are you going to do with that knowledge now?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know yet. <laughs> it's, the, it's, the, it's the real answer. Um, I think we all need
0: time to process that. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah, so and plus because I'm in Demgen, obviously I have to I have to highlight that there's a difference between mm-hmm. recycling something in branding versus yeah, recycling absolutely. something yeah, in uh, Demgen. Absolutely and key. You, that was just a like a almost like a side note or a comment a small comment you made but really important yeah. in you know in practice that for Demgen the the rules are different. So recycling may work for your brand But in Demgen to generate leads, it may not work because you have to, you know, you have to always make people come back and and keep up that interest. So (laughs) for me, it's so for me, because because I have this Demgen view, um, it continues to be we have to be up to date and we have to be have to be current we have to offer new things all the time
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah it's and balancing those two is is a yeah. is a is a challenge right yeah it's i think we talk much more about kind of full funnel type i'm starting to hear the word full funnel come come out a lot at the moment with how you you know we, we don't just look at brand and demand gen we try and mm. you know make sure there's a graduation between the two um, you know, let's, let's take it on just in the last few minutes onto, onto metrics in Catherine, starting with you, like what, what ways do you find when educating your board or your CFO on how, um, how marketing's performing? Like how do you do, how do you make that translation between marketing metrics and demand gen metrics into to what the board needs to see. So
2: I think very similarly to what I said earlier. So for one, I don't, we are a very large organization, so I don't get to talk to the board. <laughs> <laughs> we need to be very realistic. Yep. Um, but I think it's always, so any management will always be interested in the bottom line. Yep. Everything else, that's marketing KPIs, right? If in number of impressions, clicks, click-through rate, it's very difficult to understand because yeah. there's a lot of technology behind. And if I tell you we had two million impressions on an ad, is that good? Is that bad?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: People will not know. And actually, a marketeer will not know until you know the spend behind it, the intention behind it, etc. So what the I think the hard metric and the hard KPI will always be the bottom line.
0: And, it, and what it, you do. And it comes back to what we were talking about earlier, that move away from MQLs to quality and customer lifetime value. And, you know, are, are people, you know, especially now we're in a cloud world, are they churning becomes much more important now than how many leads I, I generated? I'm just going to, just to bring us kind of to a close in the last few minutes, there's so much stuff we haven't covered from today's session. Um, you know, Jen, coming, coming back to you, you know, we talked about ways of measuring creative. And oh, you had this wonderful able model of, what is it, attention, uh, branding, and linkage. Am I yeah. got that right? Yeah, yeah. We, well, the, we made up a new word of brand, linkage, brandage. Yeah, brinkage. Brinkage, that's it. The, um, which, yeah, but, <laughs> but yeah,
1: attention, brand, and linkage.
0: How might you use that scorecard? How would you suggest people use that scorecard? Because the amount of people that don't score their creative, I always yeah. find is staggering. So how, how, what success have you, have you had using that as a mechanism?
1: So I would always score in context either in context of your own campaigns, so you'd score across a variety of executions, uh, but also helpfully in context of the category. Um, So I'd also be scoring my competition. Um, And I would be looking at, like attention is very much about like how long people are spending with the ad, what the quality of attention you're getting as far as outcomes are concerned. So engagement, but real engagement of real people and Mm -hmm. how long they're looking at the ad. with branding, it's, its attribution is key, brand fluency, mm-hmm. people recognizing the brand, really looking into what elements you have to put in every single execution in order to make sure that it's attributed to the brand. And I think with linkage, I would definitely be looking at how well you're associated with key messages in the category. Mm-hmm. Ideally, key need states in the category. We talk a lot about category entry points. But if you're able to say, our share of market on this category entry point is X, or our share of mind on this category entry point is Y, that starts to help you understand how how much you're winning. But it's always against the competition. And we run the risk of thinking the competition is all of the companies that look like us. But that's not what's in the mind of the consumer. What's Mm -hmm. in the mind of the consumer is all the companies they could name in the context of that need state. So they're going to name really big companies that you're competing with. You might not feel like you're competing with them because they don't look like you, but you're competing with them. People that, that they assume that those companies can do that. So really looking at maybe the ABLE framework or even in creative understanding the size of emotion that you're generating, which is gonna give you an idea of the Mm -hmm. length of time people are gonna remember your ad gives you a really good indication of how frequently you need to, they need to see it to keep on running it. That's going to give you a much better idea of like what media investment is going to be needed, what share of market you're getting from those measures. I think mean, I think that's fantastic.
0: So I'm going to bring us to a close now. I'm going to I've got this one one question that I'm going to give to each of you and we're going to see see how this turns out. Um, so if you were to bump into your CFO in a corridor. So Catherine, you don't, you, you, know, you mentioned you don't get a chance to, to bump into them. Uh, what would be your elevator pitch to get them to invest in marketing?
2: In an ideal world, I could show this impact I have from top of funnel to bottom of funnel, mm-hmm. metrics for it, numbers, real mm-hmm. numbers. If I can show this, then that's your elevator pitch. And that mm-hmm. is very short and very <laughs> succinct and very convincing <laughs> at the moment. Um, I think most companies still struggle to show that you know to show the full the fun, full funnel impact of
3: marketing but um i think that's that is that would be it.
0: Katie Katie yeah. if you were to bump into your CFA w- w- how would you how would you pitch it?
3: Yeah, well i think it's very different from my side, right? Because i'm not in marketing for linkedin and with totally different animal, different side of the business, but i was just going to say i think you nailed it. I mean, you have to bring everything back to an ROI. You have to show how everything's proving it. And the full funnel is so important. Like you mentioned earlier, the person who increased their marketing budget, it increased because they were doing brand. They didn't turn off and it was mm-hmm. helping with the lower funnel piece of it. So it, it all works together. It might change a little bit of what percentage you're using in each part of the funnel, but um, it, doing every single part is, is going to be really important to, to driving results.
0: And Jen, finally, over to you. What what advice would you give to someone if to pitch to their CFO?
1: Um, I w- my advice generally would be, and it's something that we actually do as the B two B Institute for s- certain clients, is to really look at the the size of market that's out there. I would go for the TAM mm-hmm. because. However many marketing metrics, I think you make, uh, Catherine makes a really good point, however many mar- marketing metrics I throw at my CFO or a CFO for one of our customers, um, their eyes glaze over and they're just like, oh, it's marketing, talking about marketing again. But when you actually talk about the size of opportunity that's out there and you mix it together with maybe the trajectory of the category or the, the size of growth of the category and how possible it is. To be able to increase your share of market, which is really the ambition that we all have in marketing, increase your share of market, you're increasing your resilience in the marketplace, you're increasing ideally your profitability, your ability to control pricing, for example. So I would be looking at the TAM, I would be looking at really being able to demonstrate how we could make more money. Mm -hmm. Um, from being able to sort of have more perceived value in the marketplace and more opportunity in the marketplace. So that's very, very top of funnel. That's where Mm -hmm. we're looking at um, really understanding the sort of five-year trajectory we're trying to create for our brands.
0: I love that. Thank you so much, uh, Jen, Katie and Catherine for joining me on the Tech Marketing Podcast today. Uh, it's been fa- We've only just scratched the surface, I think, on a lot of today's content. So, well, I think final call to action to our listeners, obviously check out the B2B LinkedIn Institute. Um, obviously, check out LinkedIn um, but and also join us at the next event, which we hope to do together. So, thank you very much. A massive thank you to Catherine, Jen and Katie for joining us on this episode. Subscribe to the Tech Marketing Podcast or your favourite podcast. Subscribe to the Tech Marketing Podcast on your favorite podcast platform to make sure you don't miss any more great episodes like this.